Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. In this episode, we discuss what trends we are seeing from the all-important UK consumer and the latest from another busy week of news flow from the wider world, with Nikki Eggers, Head of Investments, Darren Folds, Head of Customer Insight and Design, and Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer. Hello, welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. Last week, we zeroed in on the technology sector, looking at, well, the sort of fears of might it be in a bubble sort of scenario. And actually, we recorded it on the Thursday and we saw quite a fairly sharp pullback that evening in the US stock market. So not not claiming that we've suddenly managed to get crystal balls working for us, as, as Will always tells us, they're not worth trying for. But this week, we're back scrutinising the prospects for the UK and in particular really focusing on the UK consumer, which, as we know, is by, well, quite a distance, the largest contributor to our economy. So to help us do this, we've we've identified the perfect guest, Darren Folds. Uh, welcome, Darren. Darren heads up our customer insight and design team. How are you, Darren? Lovely to, to get you finally on our on our podcast. Yeah, I'm great. And thank you for having me. It's a uh... It's a pleasure to be here, actually, and to talk about what's going on in the UK. So thank you. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, before we get a bit more from from Darren, turning to Will, it's been quite a busy week outside of the UK. So, Will, can you can you give us the sort of condensed minute version, please? What's been going on? I'll do my best, Nikki. Uh, I guess <laughs> um, always long winded, but like, you've, you've seen a pretty sharp bull back um, in primarily US stocks, um, but also in bits of Asia. I think you could describe it um, as a bit of air being let out of some of the winners from this year so far. I'm not sure there's too much more sinister than that just yet. In terms of the news on treatments, that was a bit more mixed, I guess, with the Mm. news on the pause in the Oxford Astra vaccine phase three trials, uh, certainly grabbing a few headlines, but I'm not sure there's too much signal in there. Just speaking to the sort of experts that we, um, that, uh, we get access to. And what we can say here is that professional forecasters have been becoming progressively more optimistic on the timing of a widely available vaccine um, over the last quarter and actually over the last couple of quarters. And that that, that still persists. Global economy wise, the recovery continues. Uh, it, it's plateaued in some, some, uh, in some areas, such as parts of Europe where kind of rising infections have forced kind of reimposition of some uh, restrictions. Um, but the recourse to full lockdown looks very, very very unlikely at the moment on currently available information. So the current thinking is that outbreaks can be contained with kind of lighter touch measures, um, as we've seen in places like Korea. There's a lot of hope wrapped up in this, right, for people's health, but also, frankly, that long promised it'll all be over before Christmas is is looking <laughs> that little bit less less certain, shall we say. So what about data in the UK? Anything there to highlight? Uh, Nothing very exciting recently. Um, Here too, you continue to see a V-shaped recovery described by the incoming economic data, both the kind of high frequency stuff and uh, the more traditional data sets, an unfinished V, let's call it, from the lows of um, of the first half. So, I mean, I think the artificial, and we've pointed this out before, but the artificial nature of at least some of this recession, uh, combined with the incredible degree of kind of fiscal and monetary support, does it help explain that? And I think, you know, an agreement amongst all forecasters is that finishing off that V, the right-hand bit, um, does look a bit more complicated. 
Though, you know, that that's in the context of, you know, what seems to be going on uh, under the cover of the, you know, the, the, the sort of tapering furlough scheme. We've talked about that before. But yeah, so it's going to be a slightly more complicated sort of next few months, no doubt about it. But so far, it's uh, it's V-shaped. Good. Okay. And so great time to, to bring Darren in. Darren, I mentioned to our to our listeners that you head up our customer insight and design team. But as often the way with with people in our firm and their job titles, first thing to do is just ask you to translate that into uh, into sort of layperson speak, if you will. What what exactly do you do on a day to day basis? Yeah. So my my role and the role of my team is is to make sure that we are really bringing in insight around what our customers are feeling, what their needs are what's going well for them, what's not going so well, and, and also how we're performing. So we do that for a range of uh, research with customers to understand just actually, you know, the perception of Barclays and the services we offer. And we can do that through online surveys or customer panels, interviews, focus groups. So it's been quite interesting, I suppose, as we go through uh, the, the COVID crisis is that we've had to change the way we operate as well. So like we have in right. society, we've had to, we've had to change from being, you know, in people's homes, uh, having physical focus groups to actually doing that online, virtually via Zoom and everything else. But we take those insights and then actually work with with the business to actually really think about what the products are or the services um, that we need to bring together. What's the experience we want to deliver for our customers? So that's effectively the the bulk of the role, really. And I think actually, if you think about the circumstances at the moment, staying connected with our customers is and understanding how they're thinking and feeling, particularly through the challenges of the, the last you know, six months has been you know, really important as we react quickly to the changes that are going on and affecting everyone. Yeah, I guess you've had to be quite quick to adapt, haven't you, in the, in the same way as, as they have. So what, what are the types of metrics or, or insights that you look at to, to make those determinations around the reaction to the pandemic and how we should then flex to to support clients through that? Yeah, so I mean, typically, we do a range of, as I say, a range of research from a numerous amount of sources. So this could be panels and and groups with customers. One of the big things we do do is is around something called a a net promoter score. But this is basically ask customers whether they'd recommend us to family or friends based on their latest experience of, of engaging with us. And so we do something like a million, get about a million responses a year from our customers. And that, wow. enables us to, that enables us to really understand actually on a real-time basis whether, you know, the, the, the visit to the branch or the service or the help and advice they got from colleagues or, or actually their use of digital is actually working to the way that we expect it to work. And that helps us really refine both the, the experience we offer and also make sure that we're prioritizing the right changes to, to really ensure we're delivering what our customers want. So, so that survey is, provides a lot of insight. Can you sort of bring that to life in in any examples about how you've perhaps used some of this information to ensure that customers have been better supported over the last few months? Yeah, so I mean, a great example is obviously, uh, as you'll appreciate, there's been so many changes brought in, whether that's payment holidays or waiving fees on on credit cards. So, whilst we've brought those changes in, what we've what we've been keen to understand is actually have customers actually help customers to understand what those changes mean in practice and make sure mm-hmm. that our communication and the way we engage is, is actually delivering the message and actually helping people to understand how they can engage with us um, and utilize those those features to help them through the crisis. So effectively through, through the work we've been doing, we've been able to sort of ask customers their general level of understanding 
tailor our communications, make sure that we understand actually which customers are engaging with the products and services that we're putting out there, and then hopefully refine our you know, communication engagement to reach those that actually need some more support through that period. So effect- effectively kind of looking at how they're engaging with those products and then also making sure that our, our communication and our uh, it's reaching them and our, our colleagues are you know, giving the right advice. Yeah, and I mean, I guess we all can can imagine that that different people, different customers have been impacted by the pandemic, by the impact on both you know families and and health situations, as well as of course financially and you know, people's livelihoods. So. We know that there are many people that are struggling financially and and clearly we're trying very hard to support those customers. But we've also, I guess, seen some who have managed to perhaps save more money than before during the pandemic. Is that right? I mean, can can you give us a little bit more insight around how different customers have been affected? Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. The impact has been very varied. So whilst on one hand, we know that actually around a third of our customers are facing really challenging times. Mm-hmm. And actually they need to engage with us and, uh, and get support around some of the early challenges, whether that's payment holidays on their mortgages or credit cards, um, extending overdraft facilities or waiving fees. We know, you know, fundamentally we've, we've delivered about 600,000 customers have engaged on payment holidays, for example. Um, but that's not, that's disproportionate. So young, young adults as a group have been particularly hardest hit. So two thirds of young adults have seen their incomes reduced during the pandemic. And that's largely because they're probably the most vulnerable from a from an employment perspective, new to careers, mm-hmm. working working in the gig economy. They haven't necessarily built up their their, their resilience in terms of savings to fall back on and, and actually therefore it, it's a significant uh, impact. And so they've they've needed help in terms of proactive proactive help to actually understand their financial challenges and how they can deal with them. But that's probably in the one third. The, the other two thirds have actually managed to save during this period. So effectively, we, we're seeing about 54% of people relatively financially secure. They've maintained their income during this period, but had a, a lot lower expenditures. You can imagine uh, we're not you know, commuting, we're not traveling, we're not going on holidays as, or uh, abroad, not going out as much during this period. So actually our discretionary spenders has reduced significantly. Yeah. So we've seen um, on average about £182 per week on activities that have largely been prevented by government guidelines is is not being spent. And therefore, that's where people are starting to look at saving and putting away savings into savings pots, near-term savings, so that they can actually build some financial resilience. And I think that's one thing that's probably come out of the, the crisis is probably a reset of people's beliefs around savings in terms of needing to have that kind of resilience so they can actually deal with the uncertainty as it comes and if it again arises in the future as we look forward. So there's definitely been a prioritization of saving over spending. We've seen that come through. And actually last month, August was the first month where we've seen consumer spending grow uh, year on year since February, which was about up 0.2% as restrictions were lifted. But again, it's not, right. it, the focus on saving is is definitely there. And so as you say, I mean, it's great in a way that, that of course, people are starting to build that um, that resilience where they're able to. And many you know, perhaps now have a significant amount of cash savings. So hopefully more than enough to meet those, those emergencies and, and any short-term goals. 
But of course, we're in a very low interest rate environment. In fact, you know, next to nothing, right? So I guess, you know, with my head of investments hat on, I'm always keen to, to encourage people that might be thinking about putting away savings for a longer period of time to think about how how they might want to to position those savings perhaps to try to enhance those returns of course it's not a not a one-way um bet by any means over the long term investing does involve risk but you know we know you can get back less than you invest but clearly if you're able to really commit for for a significant period of time that becomes very unlikely so Darren, I think what we've seen in, in the data that you guys look at is customers looking to sort of move some of those cash savings around. Is that a data point that, that you've had? Is that something that you're observing? Absolutely. And um, let me just provide some context to that. So in the first six months of 2020, uh, we've definitely seen people save more than more than ever. So um, UK households put about 77 billion into cash holdings. And that compares to the full year of 2016 which was only 82 billion and that was a record at the time so you can see actually the level of saving in the first six months has been quite significant compared to normal so on average we're seeing about three times as much going into deposits each month at the moment as people are sort of reducing their discretionary spend and trying to build that kind of financial savings nest egg i think the biggest challenge for consumers at the moment isn't actually there isn't choice out there. It's about how they find the best returns for that saving. So we know that two thirds of customers are are really keen to move around for competitive rates, but obviously in a low interest rate environment across the savings, cash savings range, it's hard to find that. I think that's where, you know, yeah. customers are getting more and more confidence around actually looking at investment as a, as a means to get a better return and looking for that advice and guidance, really how to make the most out of their money. And that's something we're seeing particularly amongst our customer base in terms of needing that advice and guidance to actually work out the best options for them as they move forward. Yeah, interesting. And Will, any thoughts from you on this? Loads, obviously. This is our area, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I, it's, uh, I'll try and keep it brief. But I mean, I think, you know, it, it describes, you know, Darren just described our whole purpose in a way. It's just to try and help our customers maximise the returns available from their hard-earned savings. Um, and, and, you know, certainly one of the core you know, missions that we don't keep secret um, of this podcast is to try and help kind of demystify, de-jargon, de-jargonize, de-jargonize. There's no verb there, I'm sure, but there must be a word that we can make up somehow. Make one, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, de-jargonate, <laughs> I don't know, uh, the global economy and her capital markets. Um, and to that, you know, to the extent that people might feel sufficiently comfortable with investing some of those, you know, those, you know, those savings for the long term. And, uh, you know, our point repeatedly is that we feel that owning exposure to the future productive wonders of the global economy will prove to be, you know, a um, a profitable exercise, a good way of using your savings, you know, for the future, and that's 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 really that's everything. But but I do feel it's a, it's a communication issue in a way. You know, the industry has products, uh, the consumer has savings, some of them, and um, and savings to use and savings to be better used, and uh, and and in a way, it's about sort of you know making that uh, making that link as cleanly as possible. Yeah. And and we should also put in a full-on plug for our sister podcast, Personal Finance Series, because that's exactly what we've tried to do there in bite-sized pieces, really helping people that are less comfortable or confident in in understanding the financial investment capability, how to perhaps think about their savings 
and and think about how to start getting on an investment journey if indeed that that is right for them and, and where to go to to get help on that. It, it um, also has you, the advantage of um, if uh, you know the the team have rightly decided that I'm never allowed on it. So if you're sick of the same of mine, then that is a podcast where you could escape like constant rantings about long term growth prospects. Yeah, uh, we've so, we've got a lot of Rob Smith on that one. He's the yeah, uh, the, the, the voice the influence, of reason. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So so just actually turning to you know we mentioned earlier about technology. Clearly, Darren and his team are sort of in the midst of all of that with with us as a as a consumer and banking business. Back in May, we we had our chief exec Matt Hamstein talk about achieving that balance between trying to help our customers to access mobile digital so that they could engage with us, but at the same time ensuring that that those customers that need it get you know the, the level of service that they would expect via our, our, our sort of what we call human channels, uh, contact centres and such like. Such like, what are you seeing in the data on this, Darren? Are there any significant shifts in behaviours that you're seeing through the lockdown measures now being a bit more relaxed, albeit clearly in England starting to tighten up a little bit? But what can you see in the feedback that you're receiving from customers? Yeah, so I think I think it's fair to say there's been a, a, a significant marked acceleration of digital adoption, and you see that you see that across all areas of life. You only have to think about how you engage with your family. We've all got familiar with Zoom, for example, or, or other providers yeah. are available. But, but effectively, it's, it's, it, it's transitioning all aspects of life as the lockdowns hit people in different perspectives in terms of mobility and everything else. So online shopping has been a huge success during this period. And, and I think what you've seen through, through this period is just an acceleration of some of the trends we were seeing before. So online shopping has, has really increased. So it's set to grow by about 19% in, in 2020 to about £79 billion worth of spending. And actually, all, all that we're seeing there is just an acceleration of the trend that was there before. So we're now expecting about half of our goods to be sold online as early as 2025. So massive increase there. And you could ask the question as to whether that's just a temporary blip or is that actually a habit that's now been formed? And I think mm. in some of the research we've done, about 40% of people expect to continue shopping and spending as they have done during the crisis. So they've now got a degree of confidence or more confidence around actually online. And as a consequence, you've got a shift in behaviour that will probably stay. From a financial services perspective, we've seen about uh, half a million more customers use our mobile app during the lockdown. And, and actually, predominantly, big increases in the older in the older generations as, as a not been able to get to the branch or or their typical channel. So they've actually switched to online to check their balance or to make payments. So we've seen a, a significant level of adoption as we see, you know, as they get more familiar with digital in other aspects of their life, actually that moving on to financial services such as banking. And we think actually looking at the survey again, you know, actually why is that? Well, actually, to be honest, 86% of customers who, who use digital banking say that it makes them worry less about their finances because they have that easy access to it. And so yes. actually, you know, there's a real there's a real um, reassurance of being able to check and that instant uh, ability to check and see how things are performing, if it's your stocks or investments or whether, you know, actually those payments have been made. And again, as we say, people are engaging more and more in terms of that channel. And I think in terms of just society as a whole, and again, thinking about the impact of COVID, what we are seeing is that people people who use kind of online services are saying it makes them feel less lonely. So about 
5% of respondents would say actually in the last few months, using the internet and being able to connect with people has made them feel less alone. So we shouldn't underestimate not just the functional benefits of online, but also kind of the societal and the, the you know, the wellbeing benefits, yeah. actually. Yeah. I think the critical thing, though, in all of that is, and we see it from customers in terms of feedback, one is around trust and actually uh, the value that that people are placing on services. So there's a couple of trends that have come through. One is around value for money being a real big driver and important factor for consumers. And that was probably true before, but actually I think the experience in lockdown has caused people to reevaluate the meaning of value. You know, that split between spending on essentials and indulgences um, and that change in behavior as a consequence. And the other thing is around trust. And I think what we've seen through the pandemic is those brands that have actually responded well and responded with consumers at the heart and understand what their consumers want have actually benefited from trust in terms of looking at customers' well-being ahead of profits, you know, acting with integrity. And we, we kind of see that desire to look for brands that they uh, the consumers can trust to be more amplified as a consequence of this. That's very interesting. And And finally, a topic we've covered a few times in this podcast Darren, what, what about innovation? We just heard quite a quite a bit about how actually it's been in some ways a complete force for good around customers feeling the benefits of interacting more digitally with financial service providers as well as doing their shopping, etc. But but what about increasing their use of financial services digitally? Are you, are you seeing any data from our customers that might support this? Yes. Yeah, so I think, as we've said, COVID during this has definitely, and the response to COVID has definitely amplified existing trends. And, and we've seen that across both consumers and businesses, actually. So from an innovation perspective, I think greater use of things like video and how video plays into services, but also you know, actually how we're using data to, to really help inform customers about, provide insights to customers around actually their spending behavior, helping them to identify how they can save money, how, helping them to understand actually what's, what is possibly uh, good options for them in terms of what they do with their finances moving forward. So that kind of artificial intelligence and, and the growth of that is definitely something that's behind the scenes actually helping us deliver a better experience for our customers. I think during lockdown, you've seen customers have to cope with a whole deluge of new digital tools to keep in contact with family and friends. And from a from a banking perspective, just over 1.2 million people who've used mobile devices in the last year are more confident around using digital services. And we've seen that definitely increasing. So we're seeing deeper engagement with finances than before in terms of the researchers telling us what they're looking for in terms of practical help around money management, helping them stay in control and building that resilience and looking for that advice and guidance we talked about before. And I think, you know, how in, a, in an environment where there's less access to, to physical channels, you can bring that advice to customers' fingertips is probably one of the big challenges, really, I think, for the industry as a whole is to make sure we can bring the right advice to the right customers that's very much personalised to their needs. And that's where I think a lot of what we do around insight and using the insight to really bring value to customers is where we're focusing our attention. Yeah, and of course, we know that so many people have been juggling especially during the school holidays, trying to homeschool and keep work going where they can. And so probably the only time to access and engage with their personal admin or, or their, their finances has probably been late at night, where actually that digital piece is really very, very helpful, isn't Absolutely. it? So, well, in, in terms of the economic outlook for, for the UK, from, from everything we've just discussed, how do you put all of this together? I mean, what we're hearing from Darren is 
clearly higher savings rates, which which is good on a personal level and good for families to to build that resilience to make sure that they've got those emergency funds and, and building a nest egg. But clearly from growth perspective, it doesn't sound quite so positive in the near term. Spending is typically seen as a good thing for, for growth. But we also know that we've seen an acceleration in digital adoption, in technological advances. So potentially, might we see higher productivity? So can you just try and make sense of it all for me? Uh, <laughs> I can try. No, there's a number of important points that Darren made there. And I think, you know, on, you, know you allude to the, the, the paradox of thrift, you know, which is the idea that if we all save more, it's actually bad for the economy. And, and that's that's something to mm. be aware of. And, and so we talked a little bit about this last week, So, but with reference to the global economic look, outlook and that study we talked about looking, um, I think, from some IMF economists looking at the economic aftermath of, you know, every major pandemic since the Black Death. And Part of the intuition behind the conclusion from that paper that growth and inflation tend to be a chunk lower for years, even decades after pandemics, um, was that consumers feel the need, um, to Darren's point, to save more of their earnings for that now very vivid, uh, recallable rainy day. Now, however, as we talked about last week, um, that mm. study can certainly feed into your baseline assumptions of what the future looks like, um, but it should not dominate it. It's different this time are not uh, the four most dangerous words in investing or anything else, in my opinion, because it always is, you know, subtly, <laughs> sometimes profoundly different. And the fact that we are potentially in the foothills of a much more seismic uh, industrial transformation, just alluded to, that's one thing, but so is the policy response. And I think the point from us always is that you know there are future paths with a growth boom ahead of us fueled by you know this long awaited fourth industrial revolution and all the societal chaos that comes with industrial revolutions but there are futures where inflation is again on the agenda and you know all sorts of other potential potential outcomes as well the point being you know to, from us is that try as hard as you can uh, to keep an open mind very rarely is the future a continuation of the recent past you know therefore you know straight line extrapolation or you know the inductive fallacy it's, it's very dangerous uh, in this context it's, it's it's instinctive for us that's what we tend to do when we think about the future um, but remember this you know this this last year this this year so far uh, it really is potentially a seismic event that has the potential to set the world and the UK on a mm. on a different course to the ones we imagined before so i think keeping an open mind is the most important thing um, and that's why we you know we organize our investments as the way we do not just planning for you know the future to be a continuation of the past but modeling hundreds of thousands of viable potential futures using remixed months from the past and finding a mix of assets that sits most comfortably in the midst of those and most resiliently in the mix of those um, you know hundreds of thousands of potential viable futures does that make it any clearer at all or does it make it very well more said. complicated probably um, but it is complicated you, <laughs> i don't know you could have just said i, I don't, don't know. know let's conclude with that i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah, try we'll try again next week. No, yeah. uh, it, it was very well said, and and that's the reality, right? And and as you say, the most the most recent past is typically the one that we look to extrapolate out because it's what we what we understand best, isn't it? Our experience feels very real, and it is real, of course, but feels more knowable for the for the immediate future. Anyway, with that, 
Darren, thank you so much for joining us. Very nice to have had you on, on the podcast, and I'm sure we'll be getting you back on uh, with, with fresh insights when we have them. Will, thanks as always. And thank you to our listeners and subscribers. And do look up that sister podcast, Personal Finance. Many thanks. All investments can fall as well as rise in value, and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.